0: Welcome to the Mapped Out Money Podcast, where we help you understand finance and manage your money so you can get on with living your adventure. You're listening to episode number 44.
1: And today's episode is sponsored by the Mapped Out Money resources page. So if you go to mappedoutmoney.com slash resources, that will give you a whole list of some of mine and Hannah's favorite podcasts, books, video, YouTubers, uh, bloggers that we have liked to follow to improve ourselves, improve our money, and a lot of other things that we talk about on the show. And if you click through any of the links, specifically the Amazon links related to the books there and you purchase something after clicking through the link, we will get some kickback. So it's a great way to support the show, and it means a lot to us. So check that out if you're interested, mappedoutmoney.com forward slash resources. So admittedly, we are kind of titling today's podcast episode a little tongue-in-cheek that all financial advice is wrong. (laughs) Clickbait. (laughs) Uh, We'll get to that in a little bit with a couple of fallacies that come into play as to why um, the vast majority of advice ends up being at least somewhat wrong.
0: Yeah, these are two ideas that I've heard you talk about at different times uh, related to different things. And I think once once you hear them and understand what they're saying, I mean, I think a lot of us would say that it's common sense, but we don't always like analyze things through the lens of these biases.
1: Right. And this this episode really is coming from a place of me being frustrated from seeing a lot of advice spewed out on the internet, right, on YouTube or in podcasts or on Twitter. And you read headlines of like how I paid down X number of debt and Y number of years, how I quit my job and did this, how – I mean, and we've done that, right? Like how we quit our jobs, bought an RV and traveled the country. The problem is a lot of the times in the story that follows, the advice is given in a way that says, this is what worked for me, so it's guaranteed to work for you, because if I can do it, anyone can do it, and that's just not (laughs) always accurate. So I guess with with that being said, we can just kind of dive right into um, the first of these two biases and kind of how they affect
0: us. But first... I need to go get that loaf of beautiful banana bread <laughs> out of the oven. So give me one okay. second.
1: All right. Okay the bread good
0: it looks really good i have not made banana bread since well i haven't made much of anything uh since we've been out of the airstream but when i would make banana bread in the airstream it always i don't know
1: yeah anyone who's listening that has a camper understands the pain of a oven in a camper
0: <laughs> like the bottom of nothing our nothing would be like evenly. totally burned and then yeah. the middle would be like raw and i don't know Still ate it. I'm not going to lie, but <laughs> <laughs>
1: we're looking forward to this though.
0: But yeah, this one in the real oven, solid looking good.
1: All right. Are we ready? Yeah, we're ready. So the first bias is probably more familiar than the second. The first one is called survivorship bias. I'm just going to read the definition from Wikipedia and then we can kind of get into it. So here's what Wikipedia says survivorship bias can lead to overly optimistic beliefs because failures are ignored such as when companies that no longer exist are excluded from analyses of financial performance. It can also lead to the false belief that the successes in a group have some special property rather than just coincidence. This comes up a ton in a lot of different realms, but I mean, honestly, it comes up so much in finance and business. It is everywhere, and it it is something that people have heard, maybe they've heard the phrase, but like you said, I don't think that we are always reading it uh, or always reading stories or hearing stories with survivorship bias as a filter the way we should be
0: when you say survivorship bias the one that jumps out in my mind just that I think of off the top of my head is um you know when people talk about like quitting their jobs and then something like outlandishly amazing Yes. Happens. Um, like, oh, I hated my job, so I quit it with with no plan of what I was going to do. I quit and it with then, no, no
1: money in the bank. Yes. And no plan, and I just did it. I ended just up
0: figuring it. out how to do this thing. Like, you hear those kind of, like, miracle stories or whatever, um, and, and I do think... I don't know. I think they can be really misleading and that's that's something that we've talked about. We know people who have stories like that and had success that way. But if you're if you're looking at something and you're going, "Okay, what gives me the best odds of success in whatever it is that I want to do? Is it going about it in that way?" like I don't know. Maybe maybe not. Um and and that was definitely like when we quit our jobs to do what we're doing right now. uh, It definitely wasn't a spur of the moment without a plan. And it was like one little small baby step at a time. And if that works, then we took one more little baby step. And if that works, then we took one more. And if it didn't work, then we took a step back. It wasn't a big giant leap like that.
1: Yeah, I think you see that a lot these days, especially with um, the internet and sort of online businesses. People see it everywhere. And that general idea is 100% accurate because, who is going to say, hey, I quit my job with no plan and no money and uh, it didn't work, right? Like yeah. I lost a house or I moved back in with my parents or I ended up having to go get another job a month later. Like we don't hear the failure stories because those people don't have podcasts or YouTube channels but or Instagram But at the same accounts. time,
0: like like our story isn't uh, – like the, I quit my job with no plan and then found the success unexpectedly. That's a much sexier story totally. than um, – you worked multiple jobs basically for years. We saved up money. You left your job. I took a full time job. Then we did that for a while, and then eventually, as things were growing and becoming more stable, then I stepped away from my job. But we both had these degrees to fall back on, and you know, whatever. Yeah. Like that's not that sexy.
1: It's it doesn't uh, fit quite as nicely in a <laughs> in a headline. In a headline, now,
0: a couple quits jobs with. Three backup plans, like years after worth After of four and a half years of and hard work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. But survivorship bias comes into play in a lot of other areas too, like, like the debt pay down stories, right? You hear these debt pay down stories and, oh my gosh, they paid off so much debt in only two years. That's crazy. But what about all the people who have really tried very hard to pay down their debt? Not just, you know, have been lazy about it or whatever, but have legitimately been trying to pay down debt and it's still taking them. 10 years, right? Totally. Going back to the sexy headline, we're not going to see a headline that's like, a woman pays off $100,000 of student loans in 22 years. Right. Like, we're not going to have a headline like Mm-mm.
0: that. And the other thing I remember in particular, this was a couple years ago. Do you remember this? We were looking at one of those debt payoff stories, and it we... I can't remember if you knew the person I can't remember if you knew the person and so you knew that they had gotten an inheritance and that that had been oh, a big or contributing like if they factor slid it into or the if that was slid in I can't remember which yeah. scenario it was I've
1: seen a number of those where they're like they'll slide it into the very end and be like
0: Oh and, and by the way they got
1: an inheritance of $75,000.
0: And and I'm not even taking away from those no. people like you could still get $75,000 and choose and to not it. use it in that way totally. and plenty of people do. Um, so good on you if you choose to you The know. headline's
1: just misleading. Right. Yeah. Exactly.
0: And so if you're sitting there comparing yourself to the headline, yeah.
1: So the other place this comes into play, it's actually the first time I ever heard about survivorship bias, is in investment performance. So things like mutual funds, um, especially, right, or stock purchases or whatever. Like with a mutual fund, it's really bad about this. So if you're not familiar with the way a mutual fund or an ETF is structured, they're a bundle of stocks. Right? And if someone like Vanguard or Fidelity or um, Schwab or uh, BlackRock or any of these big, big, big brokers, what they can do is they can manipulate the data to not include failures.
0: What? You can manipulate data? <laughs> I don't uh, think that's right.
1: To make it seem like their aggregate mutual funds are performing better than they are in reality. So what they'll do is at the end of the year, they'll cut some of the worst performing mutual funds, they'll rebundle those assets into other mutual funds, or they'll cut them all together and reallocate things. And then they can run a report saying uh, something like all active mutual funds, aggregate returns of X percentage, what they're not telling you about is all the mutual funds that had terrible returns that plenty of customers had their money in. That just got done away with before that report was run out. So, survivorship bias comes into play a ton there. And you got to be very, very, very careful when you're looking at um, data that shows you the results, right?
0: The other one that I think of there. Um We've talked about this with the college that we went to. Like, you know, they'll like show a degree program and they'll be like 100% uh, employment rate. And then, like, it'll be like an asterisk and you'll like go down and read and it's like, of the people who were actively pursuing a job and blah blah blah, and they have all these criteria, and so and basically, like, okay, what
1: is actively pursuing yeah, and a so job? Yeah, so how are you
0: defining that? So basically, anybody who doesn't get a job just wasn't actively looking. Like, yeah, there's
1: it gets real messy. Yeah. yeah. The real takeaway with this survivorship bias, we want to use it as a filter to listen to advice from someone and hear what worked for them, but recognize that we probably are only hearing from or at least mostly hearing from the survivors. And so we need to take their advice with a grain of salt because what works for them may or may not work for you because you might have a totally different set of circumstances, strengths and weaknesses, sort of unique context. And uh, there's a great article from a very popular blog in the personal finance space called Of Dollars and Data, where he talks about sort of the same exact topic. But he's got this uh, amazing little meme. I'll try to describe it as best I can. So imagine uh, like a little stick man on a stage, like a motivational speaking stage, and he's got a bunch of money bags around him, and uh, he's got a little speech bubble that says never stop buying lottery tickets no matter what anyone tells you i failed again and again but i never gave up i took extra jobs i poured the money into tickets and here i am proof that if you put in the time it pays off and then underneath it it says every inspirational speech by someone successful should have to start with a disclaimer about survivorship bias and i just thought that little cartoon was so um so on the nose and so perfect
0: it is good um before we move on the other thing that I was just sitting here thinking about is I also feel like you can't ignore um, this isn't a real bias. I'm just making it up. But for lack of a better name, I'm going to call it the loser bias. <laughs> so <laughs> um, Or the crabs in a bucket
1: yes. bias. Yes. Or
0: if you're Mary Laura Philpot, the sloths on a waterbed yeah. bias. Um, and so the same way that you can take you know, somebody who had success and they can spout off, you know, like this is your way to success because it was my way to success. Um, I think you can also get people who had a bad experience with something, who tried something and failed, you know, whatever, um, may have some things making them particularly bitter or frustrated or whatever about a certain situation or thing. And you can, talk to those people and they can spew a lot of negativity at you um in the same way that like a survivorship bias person might spew a lot of positivity positivity. at you yeah
1: so i think that's a good point that so you got survivorship bias and and then you you also have like the failure bias as well and people being like oh you want to go do this thing cool let me tell you how i did that and it didn't work and And it's totally not gonna work for you it's not gonna work for you either Yeah. yeah so no i think that's great um I think maybe the maybe the takeaway then is you you use both of these to inform or, or as filters, right, when you're listening to advice to recognize that you and even for our podcast y'all like we shouldn't be the only personal finance podcast that you're listening to. You should be trying to listen to a wide array of folks and a wide variety of what is working for different people and then cobble together sort of your own formula that works for your unique situation.
0: I mean, everything that we talk about is cobbled together from totally like a million other a people that we like to listen people. to. <laughs> yes. yes.
1: Of course, there's tried and true messages and there's, you know, things that definitely work. And we'll talk more about that here in a few minutes with with trying to give you something tangible that you can walk away with. But at the end of the day, recognize that we can only give you advice or thoughts based on our own experience. And based on the experience of clients that we've worked with, and that may or may not perfectly apply to your unique situation, and so you should filter that through um, these two biases that we've talked about so far.
0: Well, we have about the second one. Yet. Yeah,
1: the survivorship and the uh, the failure.
0: Yeah, that's right. So now we're so gonna we got two. Like three. We're gonna have three. Yeah. No, oh, I messed up our count. Okay. Anyways, well, do you want to talk about the actual? The actual other fallacy that you have listed here.
1: So the second slash now third fallacy (laughs) that we're talking about is called the post hoc fallacy. I'll read uh, the intro from Wikipedia as well. The post hoc is a particularly tempting error because correlation appears to suggest causality. The fallacy lies in a conclusion based solely on the order of events rather than taking into account other factors potentially responsible for the result that might rule out the connection. A simple example is, the rooster crows immediately before sunrise. Therefore, the rooster causes the sun to rise. Obviously, that's ridiculous. (laughs) But the the point we're trying to take away here is that when you're listening to an expert, uh, so, so, you know, quote unquote expert, who is going to tell you how they became successful in whatever area it is, they're going to explain the detailed steps, recognize that they might be remembering it incorrectly and in their own mind they might be correlating things that yes did happen but didn't actually contribute to the success that they experienced
0: yeah they may be attributing causation where there's yes. really only cor- correlation yes.
1: yes so there's um there's this great quote or passage from this book called uh, more money than God and it talks about this as applied to tennis which I thought was really interesting It says, the lesson is that genius does not always understand itself. A lesson, incidentally, that is not confined to finance. Quote, out of all the research that we've done with top tennis players, we haven't found a single player who is consistent in knowing and explaining exactly what he does. The legendary tennis coach, Vic Braden, once complained, they give different answers at different times, or they have answers that simply are not meaningful. I thought this was really interesting because they they go on to talk about a number of different players, even people like Roger Federer, who, if you ask them, like, okay, well, like, when you swing or when you're doing a return or when you're hitting it with your backhand or when you're serving, like, what are you doing? And they'll describe these intricate details, like, well, I, I twist my wrist this way and then I come under here or I pull my underhand this way or whatever, and then they will literally show them the footage on camera and it's like, no, you didn't. You didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> you think you did that, but you didn't. So... For me, when I first read about this, it was helpful in applying another filter to advice and recognizing that someone might be telling me how they think they found success, and it might be wrong. They might not even be doing it maliciously. They might truly believe that this thing that's correlated to their success is the reason, but they're wrong because of this fallacy.
0: Yeah, and so what we're saying is not, to like ignore everything that everybody says, but just to think about what everybody says and analyze it and make sure that you're filtering it through your own situation and your experiences and that all of those, those things that you're taking from other people actually make sense for you.
1: You don't want to take anyone, in my opinion, advice as the gospel. One example that comes to mind with this post-hoc fallacy that could be controversial is... a the hot take. Hot take. Uh, <laughs> is uh, the college degree. Okay. Right? So you have a lot of people these days, we would fall into this camp probably, that did go to college, got a degree, have found some level of success, mm-hmm. but not in a field using their degree. hmm And so they look back on college going like, man, that was potentially a waste. Mm-hmm. Right. And so looking back and saying that that's ridiculous. Uh, college is a waste of money. Uh, I'm not even going to have my kids go to college. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen that a lot. I, I literally uh, um, earlier today, Natalia and tweeted something like this and it's blown up on Twitter. And really? It's a uh, it, people are fighting all, all over about it because a lot of people are saying, yeah, well, that's easy for you to say. You went to college, did get a gr- get, did get a degree. And uh, who knows what you learned there and how that actually applied and you probably did end up using it. You just don't even know how it ended up contributing to your success. And honestly, like they both could be right. I don't know. You know, like this is one of those things that's a lot of correlation. And depending on your viewpoint of the current state of colleges in America – you probably believe one thing or another. No, I didn't need that college degree to have the success. I could have done it without it versus somebody else who would say, no, I absolutely needed it. It was amazing and super helpful. All that to say, ultimately, like, we don't who know knows? the answer. Yeah, Who knows? But this is the post hoc fallacy at work. And it's alive and well in that discussion for sure.
0: Well, would that be post hoc or would that be survivorship? Because Nat Eliasson, that's who you said it was, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, him saying like, "I got this degree. I don't use this degree. I shouldn't have gotten this degree because I could have been successful without it." That's kind of survivorship bias, yeah, isn't it?
1: For sure, for sure. Because you're—I mean—you're not hearing from the um, the people, the people who, who didn't get the degree but still had the same level of success or whatever in that case,
0: or who have like struggled to find.
1: Yep, who've really struggled to find yeah. um, the work, tried to start a business, tried to do something online, it didn't work out. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's probably both because it's probably the survivorship, but it's probably also the post hoc with. Nat is not correlating his college degree to his success. Mm-hmm. And other people are. They're saying, yeah. no, you what you learned in college absolutely is applicable, even though you're not using the degree technically for what it was.
0: Okay, yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, they go hand in hand. Yep. It's kind of hard to separate them.
1: The point is you can't take it as gospel. That's yeah, really what it comes back totally. to. Totally. Right? Mm-hmm. you got to filter this advice through something else and then try as best you can to take the good stuff, leave the bad stuff, and apply it to your own situation.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's just like thinking through all the angles of things. Like, even the other day, um, I was looking at that community college like right down the road from yeah. us and just at their two-year design, like graphic design program. It just kind of like, thinking about it in the back of my head of like, is that something that would be helpful for me? Is that anything that I would be interested in doing? And um, part of me thinks that the majority of the value of that would just come from like a mindset boost for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and again, going back to like listening to advice, you and I could probably sit here and cherry pick uh, five designers who've been massively successful without design school totally, and then five designers who have been massively successful who did go to design school, yeah. And
0: you can, you, you who's can to say, who's to say
1: which is the right path,
0: yeah? You can basically find examples to support like anything you want to do, yep, or don't want to do, yep. <laughs>
1: So with that in mind, now that we've sort of talked through all these biases that affect us because we're human, and anytime you're listening to advice, you need to be aware that these things are at play, let's try to give some advice <laughs> on, on how we can use these uh, and and create some takeaways here. Something that people can, listening can say, great, okay, now I know these biases exist, but like, so what? what? What do I actually do with these? How can I apply this to my life?
0: Yeah. So the first piece of actionable advice is to look for patterns. So like if you notice something that people that you admire and like to listen to and feel like they provide um, valuable advice. You keep hearing them say similar things. Then maybe there's something to that. So, like an, an example for us is you've got like Jocko Willink, and who else talks about getting up early?
1: Oh gosh, a, a ton of people. Jocko
0: Willink, Hugh Jackman. <laughs>
1: yes. Uh, what
0: what further evidence do you need? Um, yeah, I
1: mean Tim Ferriss, all the all the guys sort of in that space for sure. Tim Kennedy, oh, Order of Man, like
0: um 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 um. Youtuber, Matt Matt DiVella, yeah Matt Diavella. yeah, lots of people that we both that really you and I admire, yeah, yeah, we really admire. We like their content, we like what they're doing. Um, they're they're doing things that we would like to be doing, and it's like, hey, all of these people are saying the same thing about getting up early, so maybe we should we maybe should look into that. There's something to that, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Another example is like sleep matters. This is one that I neglected for a long time uh, in college. Actually, you know, I went through that phase where I was like into the whole, like, what if I can <laughs> make <laughs> make my 30 body minutes a night. Yeah, make, make my body go immediately into REM sleep to where I only need four hours a night. I'll sleep 30 minutes every six hours and uh, that'll be four hours a day.
0: I'm not gonna lie. I was never tempted by any of that. I, I was, love sleep too much. I
1: loved that idea right, that idea that I only needed four hours. But uh, the overwhelming scientific research out there, as far as we know, says that sleep actually does matter, and you should probably get a good bit of it. So despite how hard you work and despite the need to work hard, whatever, to be successful, yada, 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 you still got to sleep. And a lot of people are saying that seems to be uh, logical and sound. That's a pattern we're noticing. We should probably listen to that.
0: That's research I can get behind.
1: (laughs) Another one, of course, in the world of finance is like budgeting. Now, sure, you can find a whole lot of people that talk about like, ah, you don't need a budget, whatever. But obviously, we're big fans of budgeting. It's helped us immensely. A lot of people I look up to and respect are big fans of budgeting. And remember, again, like budgeting is just planning. It's just planning with your money. So like, hey, making a plan with your money, that's something smart that you should probably do. That's all budgeting is. And if a whole bunch of people – that you listen to or read or watch are saying that, maybe that's a pattern that you should take note of.
0: That leads perfectly to the the, the second tip, actionable, actionable advice, whatever. Uh, look for statements that logically appear true. So like what you just said, making a plan with your money helps you use your money more efficiently. That's a logical statement. Yeah, seems pretty sound.
1: Yeah. Uh, another one here, obviously, in finance is very simple. To save money, you need to spend less money than you earn, not by some secret formula. Mm-hmm. So the the third tip here is to look for frameworks or steps that you can tailor to yourself, not specific advice that is sort of blanket that everyone should follow. Mm-hmm. So as it is applied to finance, you know, this is what you and I attempt to do. Um, if you've listened to our podcast about our dream budget framework, right? We teach a a five step framework is what we teach in our course and what we help coach uh, our clients through. And it helps you build a budget that will help you live your dream life. And part of that is you have to define what all that means for you. You define your own milestones, and you define what your future vision is, and you define your own goals, and then you set your own budget based on your own income and where you live and what your kids are into and all your unique situation, and you tailor the whole framework to fit you. So it's a framework that can be applied, not this blanket step that you know someone is saying, you need to do exactly this Need to hit this exact financial milestone at this point.
0: And then once you do that, then you need to move on to this. Yes. And yeah. then
1: this one, and then this one, and then this one. If anyone is giving you that sort of blanket advice that everyone needs to hit these exact milestones in this exact order, in the exact same way, in the exact numbers, you should be wary of that.
0: I think anytime you're given something that you can do without using your brain, I'd be wary. Yeah, that's that's probably you know a, what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, that's probably a good a good piece of advice. So look look for frameworks that you can tailor to yourself, rather than specific hyper advice in that way.
0: All right, number four is to look for simple solutions. I'm going to let you talk about this one because I cannot say whatever. The <laughs> All right, is. so
1: this is uh, based on Occam's Razor. This comes up a lot in science fiction, and uh, is talked about a lot by. Tim Urban and a few other people I like to follow. Anyways, here's here's what it says from Wikipedia again: Occam's Razor or the principle of parsimony. I think is how you say that.
0: Parsimony. Parsimony. Yeah. Parsimony. Is that what you <laughs> So would you have said, oh my gosh. Uh
1: Paris money.
0: Y'all should see I, like you you like spell things weird ways and like say things weird ways when Nick writes out our grocery list. I mean, sometimes I have to call you. <laughs> like we were trying to write tortilla chips and I don't know what you wrote, but I couldn't even interpret it. <laughs> it's like the fifth thing on the list. What what is this? Look, I don't I do, even know I that do you numbers, had it starting with a T. Okay? I do
1: numbers, not English. <laughs> Paris Moni Okay. uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Tell us more about the parsimony.
1: Principle of parsimony. Uh, Here it is. (laughs) It's the problem-solving principle that entities should not be multiplied without necessity. Or more simply, the simplest explanation is usually the right one. Basically, avoid overly complicated advice. When given the uh, option between this thing... Or this reason explaining why something happened, and this other reason explaining why something happened, the simplest reason is more than likely the correct one. This comes into play a lot in the financial world. We've talked about this on the podcast before. There are lots of overly complicated financial products that are marketed in a way to try and quote unquote help you. And we're probably gonna do a whole podcast on this down the road about financial incentives, but this comes up a ton. And any time that you are hearing someone talk about some new, cool financial product that's going to help you save money and and your eyes start glazing over and just rolling into the back of your head as they try to explain to you how this thing works, you should have a red flag going off in your head that this overly complicated solution is probably not the best. You should be looking for simple advice that is easy to understand and straightforward that is most likely the best path to help you out.
0: Yeah. I think, um, nutrition stuff is a really, a really easy place to see this too. Like, uh, if you have somebody telling you some super crazy diet that you just have to adhere to, to be healthy or whatever. And it's the only way. Yeah. And, uh, any nutrition advice that's crazy complicated, and and I think that's why you know like Michael Pollan was so popular because he just boiled it down like we why have we way overcomplicated this so much like eat food not too much mostly plants you yeah. know that's his little like kind of tagline and and you you read that and you're like oh yeah that does make sense oh yeah yeah but I mean you you can so easily. It's like you get bogged down in all this complicated information to the point where your brain almost, or at least this is how I feel, like my brain almost isn't functioning fully and I I need somebody to like pull me out of it with like something simple like Michael Pollan's little tagline, you know?
1: Yep. Yep. So speaking of of getting overwhelmed, I think with different pieces of advice, that kind of leads perfectly into our fifth tip here, which is to not throw the baby out with the bathwater. This comes up a lot, especially... And especially when you find, like, a really charismatic uh, advice giver, right, expert, the person I'm thinking about, of course, is Gary Vaynerchuk, who I like a lot um, when it comes to his business advice and marketing advice and investing advice, but I obviously don't think that everything Gary believes or does is something that I should perfectly emulate. And a lot of people will hate on him because he's very charismatic, he's very in-your-face sort of personality, you know, he cusses a whole lot in all of his videos, and that really turns a lot of people off. And so they're just, ah, I can't stand that guy, blah, 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 he's terrible, I can't listen to him, whatever. Fine, but I think you're really missing out because I think that he does bring a lot to the table in certain aspects. And you should be able to, you know, parse through someone's advice and filter for, okay, Yeah. I don't like that about them or I don't necessarily want to follow this aspect of their life. But this thing over here that they're saying, there's some truth there. And I can learn a lot from that. So, you know, we don't listen to one person for advice in every single area of our life. And instead, we try to listen to a, a wide variety of people and then make our own little cocktail that works for us. So take the good and leave the bad but don't just throw the whole thing out.
0: All right, we've made it to the sixth and final piece of actionable advice and that is don't let your disadvantages or unique set of circumstances discourage you from trying altogether.
1: Yeah, so that I mean, this is really kind of the way we wanted to wrap up the episode because I think it it could be discouraging to listen to this whole episode of us saying Basically, you can't trust people's advice because there's survivorship bias, there's failure bias, there's post hoc fallacy, there's all these things that are basically making it to where their advice is likely wrong to perfectly fit your situation. But it doesn't mean their advice is all bad and it doesn't mean that you can't have some level of success. It doesn't mean you can't learn from them. And so we just wanted to encourage you to not give up or not... Just decide not to try at all because you don't have the same set of circumstances or the same strengths as someone who has had success in something you're focused on.
0: Yeah, this makes me think of um, my friend who, her name is conveniently Hannah as well, but uh, she's awesome just she's in general. Hardcore. Oh my gosh, she's yeah. a beast. Okay, so um, she's a big like marathon runner and with all of her kids, she's been like really... Uh, dedicated to like exercise through her entire pregnancies and all this stuff, and I remember her telling me that she was getting some hate from some some friends. I'll use that in air quotes, um, <laughs> who had different life situations than her. And you know, some of them were working. Some of them were working part time. Some of them, I don't know what a, what other circumstances they had, but they were like, "Well, I mean, of course, you were staying fit during your pregnancy because, like you, you don't have to commute to this job that I have to commute to, or you don't have to do this thing that I have to do, or, or that was
1: your first kid, you didn't have other kids to be taken yes. care of, or."
0: And Hannah just expressed her frustration, and she was like, "It's still really hard for me to do these things too, and like." Uh, there are plenty of people who have a very similar situation to me and they haven't chosen to, to use it to be able to exercise every day. Cause I mean, she went out and like ran slash walked five miles a day or something like that. Like that was like the minimum of what yep. she did. Like she acted like she was training for like the biggest athletic event of her life, like for her pregnancies, which I mean, she was It's an athletic event. <laughs> yeah. For sure. And so um, it, it makes me think of that. And what, when I hear that story, I just think about those other women and I'm I'm like, that's just a sad mindset to be in. And we can all get there sometimes, you know, like we can all get like bogged down and whatever yeah. and kind of have these like negative thoughts like that. And it's just not a productive way to think about things. So A, it puts down that what that other person is doing um, when in reality, regardless of what their situation is, they're still having to have the self-discipline to do whatever whatever thing they're doing to improve whatever situation they're in, and you can't take away from that. And also, you're just discouraging yourself from doing anything. You're spending a
1: lot of time and mental energy hating on someone else rather than saying, oh, that's interesting.
0: Okay, I I can't run five miles every day, but I could go out and walk a mile. What can
1: I learn from that? Yeah. right. What Mm -hmm. can I apply to this? I mean, I could do... You know, I could do that with uh, with our workouts, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, Matt Fraser is somebody that I love watching on uh, YouTube. He's a big CrossFit Games athlete. He won the games like five years straight. Dude is incredibly fit. The guy is also like five foot eight, I think, maybe five foot nine, 200, 210 pounds, solid, like just, you know, short, stocky, broad beast of a dude. And he's got an Olympic weightlifting background, right? He, he weightlifted in the Olympics and then got into CrossFit Games. He is at a level of fitness that I will literally never be able to accomplish. I am not genetically built to be able to do the type of pull-ups and different movements that he can do. So could I watch him and be like, oh, well, I'll never be able to do that.
0: Or say, well, of course he can do of that. Of course he can do that because he's, he's built like this. this. tall. And, yes. Yeah.
1: And while any of that might be true, who cares?
0: Mm-hmm. What
1: I can do is say, hmm, that's interesting. He still has had to work an insane amount and have a lot of self-discipline. And he's obviously trained very hard to do what he's done. What can I learn from that? Yeah. What can I watch and hear and... What can I see that he's doing that I could take and I could apply to my situation and still see some real success Mm -hmm. over where I was with my fitness to where I could be?
0: Yeah, Gabby Reese is my equivalent of that. Yes. Like six feet tall and (laughs) (laughs) volleyball player.
1: Long, lanky, you know, her (laughs) legs are as high as your shoulders. I know. Mm, Bummer. (laughs) But the same thing is true with money, right? So you can listen to people who are giving you money advice and you could be super discouraged and say, well, of course they can do this because – x okay fine that might be true but that's simply not a very practical way to live your life instead you should be saying okay well i don't have that situation but what can i learn from them what can i apply how can i make that fit my unique situation to see some level of improvement that mindset will get you a whole lot further than the other
0: absolutely i like it you know what else i like what do you like stuff we like (laughs)
1: All right, so what are we uh, what are we liking right now, Hannah?
0: We are liking a it's not a board game. What did you call it? Abstract game.
1: Abstract game. Abstract
0: game. I like that. Um, called Hive, and one of your old engineering yeah, one of my work, old work buddies, buddies. buddies recommended this yeah. to us. Shout out we, to Connor. Yeah, we started playing it the other night and it was really fun. Super fun. You almost scared me away from it because you were like, it's kind of like chess. I think and a I YouTube video said that. Like, I don't think I said Ugh. that. Uh okay. Yeah, you probably would have been too smart to say that to me. But anyways, I heard that and I was almost like, Yeah, let's not play this. <laughs> um But we did and it was fun. Yeah,
1: it's super fun. So, you know, obviously just being me and Hannah. We have a lot of time with just me and Hannah. So this is a two person game. It's um it kind of honestly, I was I didn't like it at first. Like when Connor told me about it, I looked it up. I was like, ask eh, it looked kind of really." Yeah, I thought it looked kind of lame. You didn't tell me that? And it, uh, I mean, it's it's a game that's like it's about insects. You're like trying to trap trap the queen bee, and you have like ants and you know mosquitoes. <laughs> we are so and, selling people on this. I game. don't know. It it seemed really lame
0: it's to like me. It's like chess, but with insects.
1: Well, it seemed really lame to me. But I trusted Connor. I got it off Amazon. We've played a couple times now. We really like it. So if you're looking for a, a two-person, fun strategic game, each game lasts what maybe 15 minutes. Yeah, it twenty was pretty minutes. Quick. Yeah, it's super quick. At
0: least when you're as bad at it as we are,
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you can play through it pretty quick. But uh, it's it's been fun. We've been playing over dinner. So if that uh, sounds like something interesting to you, check it out.
0: All right, you want to give us a quick summary?
1: Yeah. So in summary, don't take advice and just apply it without thinking it through and without putting it through a filter.
0: I like how you paused right there, though. Don't take advice. That's that's your summary. <laughs> that's a summary. No, without putting <laughs> it a great through day, a filter.
1: Guys. <laughs> without putting it through a filter, right? So remember survivorship bias. Uh, remember the post-hoc fallacy. Remember the failure bias and how we're human. And and
0: remember re- that we made up the failure bias. <laughs> it
1: sounds good. <laughs> and then just remember the uh, the quick six tips. So that is when you're taking advice from someone or listening to an expert, look for patterns across multiple people. Look for statements that appear to be logically true. Look for frameworks that you can tailor to your unique situation. Look for simple solutions. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And don't let your own unique set of circumstances or disadvantages discourage you from trying altogether. You can absolutely improve over your current situation. That being said, thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you next week.